Hey there, friend. I'm starting this episode a little different with some content transparency right up front. The title of this episode is Become a Diet-Free Diva and Take Back Your Best You with Tracy Desjardins. And with that title, you can probably guess that we're going to be talking about food and ditching diets. But I wanted to hop on because in case you're auto-playing episodes or you're listening in the car and didn't see the title, I wanted to share this right up front because I know this can be a sensitive topic. In this episode, we talk about food, disordered eating, mental health, body image, and eating disorders. As with all content, whether it's a podcast, book, social media, or television, I encourage you to listen mindfully and intentionally. If you decide this is not a topic for you to explore in this moment, no worries. Go ahead, honor yourself, and choose another episode of Golden Girls Podcast to listen to intentionally instead. With that, let me tell you a little bit about why this episode and this topic is so deeply personal and so important for all of us. This is our first episode of 2023, and it's perfectly fitting. I can't lie. I did try and plan this a little bit. (laughs) This topic is so relevant because the beginning of the year is that time of year when we're inundated with diet and fitness messaging and images. Frankly, though, I think diet culture haunts us all year long, not just in the blatant advertising and the new year, new you messaging that comes out. I wish I had a magic wand and I could change the entire diet industry, actually most industries right about now, and I can't do that in this episode. The truth is that in this, I'm actually more interested in changing a different kind of messaging. It's the messaging of how we talk to ourselves and that internal message that's often on repeat because honestly, that is often haunting us too. Maybe you'll recognize some of these messages. I'll book the family photos after I lose these 10 pounds. I'll go on a date when I fit into my favorite dress. I don't want to do the hike until my body looks more like the other hikers. For me, I've had a lot of these thoughts. Personally, I didn't go live on Facebook for the longest time because I wanted to lose the last 10 pounds first. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who thinks this or says these things. Some of these are conscious. And for example, for me, I did some coaching and I got some loving butt kicks from my personal coach and I was able to break through that Facebook live barrier and now you'll see me there often. But how much of these thoughts, this playing small, is unconscious in all of us? My suspicion that it's a lot. Here's what I see. Women are at war with food and ultimately ourselves. We're trying to lose weight with restrictive dieting and always trying to figure out how to eat so that then we can go live our life and accomplish our goals. We think we need to lose weight before we can live our life fully and on purpose. It ends up in us putting our dreams on hold. Today's guest, Dracy Desjardins has always wanted to coach women holistically, but didn't think she'd be respected until she was the perfect size. And when she told me that, it really hit home. How many other women out there worry they won't be respected unless they're a certain size? How many want to compete in a 5K race, but they're waiting? How many want to go for a career change, but aren't doing it? How many women aren't sharing their gifts, their talents, and their leadership skills? How many women aren't showing up with their full selves, their smiles, and their presence. I mean, how many women don't get in photos with their kids? All of these things because of their bodies. It's heartbreaking. And it's so messed up. Diets are normalized, so much so that people, we've been led to believe that they're essential for life. And spoiler alert, they also don't work long-term and can perpetuate the cycle. Diet culture leaves us feeling ashamed of our eating habits and we become disempowered because we don't know how to find answers about our own health. 
Dieting ends up consuming our time, our mind, our body, and our energy over actually going and living life, doing things like creating, laughing, playing, and achieving the goals, dreams, and desires that we have. And because we fail at dieting, because it doesn't work, or because we flat out just view having to even have to diet as failure, period, all of this affects our self-perception. We feel shame. It robs us of our self-trust and confidence in all the other areas of our life. We feel disempowered and it it becomes easy to stay safe, stay small, and we wait to have our dream life until after our successful diet. Well, Oh, that sounds pretty terrible. I'm not here to stand for that. And I know if you're listening, neither are you. And today's guest, Tracy, is here to help us get us all out of this downward spiral and lift us up. Tracy Desjardin is an international health coach, mind-body eating coach, fitness professional, and author of the best-selling book, The Diet Free Diva, who specializes in holistic wellness coaching for women. In this episode, you're going to hear about Tracy's three-decade journey with her food-body-self relationship and how she sees this and has lived both the war and now the opportunity. You're going to learn about how dieting fuels toxicities like perfectionism, people-pleasing, and lack of self-worth, how it robs us of that self-trust and dignity, and ultimately, here's the important part, you're going to learn how to ditch the dieting. You're going to hear about the transformative outcome and the freedom that comes with an empowered food-body-self relationship. You're going to learn how to trust yourself with food and stop obsessing. Tracy shares with you the five steps to becoming a diet-free diva, a pathway to excellence for yourself that includes food, body, mind, and spirit. You're also going to hear me challenge Tracy and find out, is it really just as easy as eating whatever I want? And what do I do if I actually still want to lose weight for health? Will this work? How do I do that? One of the topics that's really near and dear to my heart is also how to raise a child in this day and age with dieting being so prevalent, starting at as young as age seven, if you can believe it. So I asked Tracy for her wisdom on that. And we're going to also share how self-worth ties into all this and how working with a coach and a community can transform this in your life. And hopefully we can make a big change too. You're going to learn to stop trying to fix yourself with food. And instead, you're going to hear the potential of what's possible when we all free ourselves of diet culture. You're going to be understanding that you don't need diets for weight loss and improved health. You'll learn to trust yourself with food and stop obsessing, and you'll learn how to find answers for what works for you so you can trash that scale and measure healthy success in a different, way more empowering way. You're going to heal your relationship and find peace with food, which then can help you get results, keep results, and get on with life. And best of all, you'll connect with your inner diva, your purpose, your talent, your gift, the reason you're here on this earth. Friend, I invite you to take a moment. And just imagine what is possible when all the women of the world, all the humans in the world, we take that energy that we're wasting playing small and being self-conscious and we direct it towards our true best selves. If that vision doesn't get you motivated and leaping out of your chair yet, then I will leave that to the rest of this episode to do that. So let's get on with it. Here is Becoming Diet-Free Divas and Taking Back Our Best Selves with Tracy Desjardins. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. 
it's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Well, hello, Golden Girls. Welcome to another episode of Golden Girls Podcast. I'm here with Tracy Desjardins, an international health coach, mind-body eating coach, fitness professional, and writer who specializes in holistic wellness coaching for women. After three plus decades working in the fitness industry, Tracy chose to dedicate her future work towards helping women on an ongoing challenge, trying to lose weight with restrictive dieting and rigid exercise. Based on her personal struggles and healing, Tracy decided to share tools with other women to find freedom from toxic dieting that reveals to them their inner diva, who they were meant to be when they trust themselves with food and body. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's an honor to be here on the Golden Girls podcast. But is it a special honor because you've been here not just once, not twice, but actually three times just trying to record this one episode? Yep. Just putting it out there. (laughs) Just going to lay that. Yeah. So Tracy has been the most gracious guest. Uh, We have had a recording issues. This is literally our third time. It might even be our fourth time trying to do this. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we are just both fire and so excited to get this episode out here and, uh, and have this conversation. So hopefully no technology stops us today. I feel like we got this. We got this. So Tracy, what is your journey over the last three decades with your food, body, self relationship? Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. You know, hearing you describe who I am from your voice just further solidifies my purpose in this work. And I just love hearing that. I really do. And it it makes me feel all the more confident that I'm exactly where I need to be in this mission to help other women. Um, But just to kind of go there briefly, Uh, I was born in 1970 and I was just a slightly overweight little girl who had a big sweet tooth and I kind of stood out in my family because of my um, sweet tooth. That was a bit of a concern. And, um, you know, I was a very, this is really important in the conversation we're about to have today for all the, all the ladies that are listening. I was a free spirited little girl, which means, um, before the age of 12, I wasn't concerned with body image. My hair was all over the place and I didn't care. What I really cared about was other people, making other people laugh. I had a lot of friends and I was, this is really important, very comfortable in my skin. I I wore uh, pretty plus girls clothing because I didn't fit into the standard sizes. And so they had only so many fashion choices in the pretty plus section of like JCPenney's. And that was, that was me. That was my life. And I really didn't care. I found my joy. I found my essence in, in life, in laughter and life was good. And I liked who I was. And, uh, you know, at the ginger age of 12, for any of the ladies listening in, you know, what did, what did your 12th year look like for you? I mean, for me, it turned into, it was almost like I went from fourth grade, fifth grade, and then the summer and then sixth grade. And I turned into this, uh, all of a sudden I was hypervigilant on what my body looked like. I started to listen to what boys were talking about and the bodies on the girls that were the most admired. And I started to buy into this. And so my free spirit, which used to believe that I was a winner and and that I knew what was real about life and, and you know, where love really was in the world. Um, I kind of, I lost that. I lost that sense of me because I believed I had to change my body. So all of a sudden, the pretty plus clothes were very uncool, and I had to squeeze into the Jordache jeans, and I had to cuff my jeans a lot just to get it, just to do whatever I needed to do to fit in. 
And I don't even mean just like be in the popular crowd. I meant just to, I, I almost felt like I had to survive. In order to survive and not get plowed over by the other kids, I had to lose lose the, lose the chubbiness. I had to calm down. I had to be more quiet because my obnoxious laugh all of a sudden, which didn't used to be obnoxious, was now obnoxious. So basically everything about myself, I felt like I had to shift. So I began dieting. I read into um, what was on TV, commercials on TV, you know, Charlie's Angels, the TV show. And I started to notice, oh, well, there's the gold standard of the female body. And I was not built like that. And there was a fighter instinct in me. Like I wasn't afraid of hard work. I wasn't afraid to try things. I wasn't afraid to push and shove to get a result. So I took that aspect of me and I put it into dieting and it, it blew up, Lisa. So the, um, the sweet tooth that I had mentioned as a child turned into a binge eating sugar addicted monster from hell when I took on my first diet, which was really gingerly the age of 12, 13 in the sixth, seventh grade. And um, I was restricting I was fighting, restricting willpower because that's what we're supposed to do. You know, um, everybody talked about dieting was cool, and um, it wasn't working because what happened is I would fail, I would binge, and I started to believe that I could not trust myself to put myself out there to try other things because I was so afraid of the feeling of failure that I was experiencing with the dieting. And you know what, Lisa, like there's a lot of shame in that. Like I remember, you know, now I'm 52 and looking back at my 12, 13, 14 year old little girl, I needed help. I needed a mentor. I needed me. I needed me now. And, um, I felt very alone and I know a lot of other women, gosh, I talk, I talk to other women about this and we all have what I call a food story, which is actually step one in my book, food story. We all have a story that is worthy of like looking back, turning back where have we come from. What, what have we been taking in our, our childhood backpacks all throughout our lives? And that fighter instinct with me just kept going at it with the diets. But the more, the more diets I took on, and they failed every time with a binge, the binges got bigger, the more shame and the more lack of trust and confidence I had in myself. So I was slowly draining my spirit of everything that I was born with that was really intrinsically good. And it took me decades to discover that. And once I discovered Lisa, which was right about the beginning of the time I began working with you in your community, then I became like productively pissed about it. And I had to write the book. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. Talk to me about becoming productively pissed. So it sounds like that is what inspired you to write this book. Tell me about that. What is it that productively pissed you off yeah. and why this yeah. book? Why now? Okay. So I need to go back a little bit further because as you, as you described me as a fitness professional, um, I did work in fitness for over 30 years. Now I found fitness at the age of like 13, 14, because my dad took me to the gym and he said, Hey, they're doing these classes and these people are playing music and they're jumping up and down. I think you might like that. So I discovered my first aerobics class experience and that actually saved my life because that side of me that was like free spirited. I could enter a room with other amazing people. I was the youngest person in the class, all shapes and sizes. And I could jump up and down, act like a complete idiot. And when I left the room, I felt great. So there was something there with the exercise endorphins that I bought into early on. And that became, it wasn't my after school sport. It wasn't my like high school sport. This was something I did on my own 
with people that I didn't go to school with. And I really believe that God kind of like channeled me in that pathway because it was actually saving me. It was remembering who I am deep inside. And I, I really escaped from peer pressure in that aerobics room, but the dieting and the binge eating kept going. And I, long story short, I may, I became an instructor. I taught through college. I taught through my young adulthood, but I kept dieting. I kept dieting. And then I learned this little trick, like in my twenties, I could out exercise poor eating habits or could I, you know, when, when we're young, we can, you know, our, our metabolic furnace can be shifted and directed with hardcore exercise. I played that game. And I was binging at the same time. So I literally did that. I would diet, binge, out-exercise. I'm up at 6 a.m. before the kids. And I'm trying to outdo the damage of the, you know, the, the weekend binge. This is how I lived. And it, I pushed so hard, Lisa, with that. I pushed so hard. I would call off from work the next morning after I binged because I was sick, you know. And um, so anyway, I, here, here's me. I'm, I'm in the exercise arena, teaching classes, um, being a personal trainer. But I have this little secret on the side. People are coming to me because they want to get healthy and they want to get strong. And I'm, put, I'm wearing this mask. It was a mask and it wasn't a mask. It, it was me. I really, I was good at what I did, but I didn't believe I was because I had the shameful secret with my little donut hole binges at 3 p.m. And nobody knew about this. I was sure as hell wasn't going to tell anybody because then, then I would, I would wear this label across my forehead, like liar. And that killed me. It just killed me because I was stuck and I didn't know where to go for help. I wasn't anorexic. I wasn't bulimic. The only reason I wasn't bulimic, check this out. God gave me this little gift and my kids have it too, quite honestly. And I'm so grateful. I can't throw up. I'm like a camel. It's really hard. Even when I'm really, really sick, it's really hard for me to vomit. I'm so grateful for that. Or I can tell you, because I, I tried to get the donuts up. I tried that. I had friends that were bulimic and I was secretly envious of them. What is that? That's insane. And um, so I, I just, I knew I had a problem. I knew I was stuck and um, I had a really poor image of myself. I really, really did. And I got older, Lisa, you know, hormones. I wasn't able to get away with the binges as much in my 40s. So the binges became like, oh, I'm going to bake healthy. So I started with just overeating my baked goods. I was the clean eating baking expert. People came to me for recipes and stuff like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the chick. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm binge eating on my dark chocolate pumpkin mini muffins that I make with almond flour. It was like the sugar but I was trying to control my healthy foods. Like I had to eat healthy or else I was some sort of loser. Well, that stress and pressure was building up and I would just like eject myself out of my life. I was still going for the donuts. I'm still binging on my healthy stuff. It was just, I'm still swimming in this stuckness. And, um, towards the end of my forties, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to turn 50. I'm still doing this. Like what is going on? I was also certified as a health coach. Go figure. I was the expert on dietary theories. I was not the expert in emotional eating challenges, sugar addiction, sh habitual sugar reliance, all of that. I just was denying attuning to my own need. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to feel my feelings. I didn't know how to, how to self-love. I didn't know how to accept myself for what was going on. I just was using this fighter instinct in me to go at shifting my life with willpower and just try to be different and ignore myself. I mean, I was in a state of sugar fog ignorance. I really was until, this is crazy, okay? 
2020, here we go. I'm playing this game. I'm hiding in this like binge eating shame all these years. And I, you know, I ebbed and flowed. It's like the 20 pounds, sometimes 15, 20 pounds, depending on the extension of the binging. I was in that like 10 to 15, sometimes 20 pound game, gain, lose, fight, all that restrict diet, restrict, lose the weight, freak out, go back to old eating habits over and over and over exercise hard. So, um, I was turning 50 on May 7th, 2020. And I said, okay, it's just like I do every year, end of the year, you know, we're in goal setting season and, uh, okay. When I turn 50, I'm going to hit my best self. And of course that meant my goal weight that I had hit a number of times, but this time I was going to hit it and keep it how, I don't know, but I was turning 50 and it was like, the time is now. So I started in January with the same things, Lisa. I was trying maybe a a few new morning rituals, you know, stuff like that. I was working really hard as a personal trainer. I own my own studio and it's go, 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 go. Still having no clue how to attune to my needs and just hoping that I can harness my, you know, sugar, sugar tooth, sweet tooth. And so uh, when pandemic hit, I was forced for the first time, I think ever, to be still and to be with myself. So badass me, I fell back into my 15, 16 year old self where the binges came on strong and they came on hard. And I was officially out of tools and exhausted. And I finally, you know, I've said this so many times in interviews, I felt like God was shaking me like a rag doll, like Tracy, come on listen, sit in quiet. I'm trying to talk to you. There's a problem here and I can help you. There are two directions you can take. You can keep trying your ways or you can trust me. And I have a pathway. I have a community for you and I have a coach. So fitness chick me said, you know what? I'm scared. If I keep doing things my way, I'm going to be miserable through menopause. And I'm, I felt depressed and I, there was no way I was going to go down that road of depression. I didn't want meds. I wasn't depressed. I just was stuck. So I put my ego in my back pocket. I hired my own health coach and um, the lovely Danielle Dame who saved my life. This lovely girl who, who sat in front of me on Zoom and were, were many, many moons apart. And I bawled my head off in front of Danny. And I realized like, oh my gosh, I've been afraid of crying. I've been afraid to face all these emotions. And she sat there in her completely calm, non-judgmental, open space. I needed, she gave me the space that I needed to heal. And it wasn't the food that was my problem. It was my limiting beliefs. It was that thoughts that were going through my head, my relationship with myself that was crying out for remedy. And so when I realized what I was missing, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, why didn't I know this before? So I had to write about this. I had to write about it. So I opened up Word document as I'm going through this healing process during pandemic where I got off the sugar and I started to go inward and look at some, some areas in my life that were calling for attention that I never heard, but I had all the space to just be. I started to listen. I started to do some, um, answer some questions that Daniel was asking me about me. I connected some healing dots for myself and um, I never looked back. I never binged on sugar again. I found peace and freedom with food, including sugar. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
with sugar and it can be done. And um, I've never felt so inspired in the work that I'm doing now. I closed down my personal training studio. Not that I don't believe in exercise. I, I do. But my spirit was calling out for Tracy. I want you somewhere else now. Like we've been doing this for a long time. You got this. But I was feeling um, a little out of alignment, very out of alignment. And I knew I had more work to do and this was it. So I, I, I wrote the book. I said, if I can find peace and freedom with food, my body and myself on these healing terms that I can sustain through vacations, through holidays, I got through some big, big stressful events in my life and I'm not binging on sugar again. I know I can help other women. And mm. so that is the essence of this book, helping mm. women find peace with food, their body and themselves so they can then live their purpose in their life. There is no more, okay, when I get the weight off, then I'm going to be happy. I'm just going to, I was putting my life on hold until I lost the weight and got this image of best self, which was some number on a scale, which is, which is kind of crazy. I'm still not at the number on the scale. That number's not right for me. Somebody gave me a number a long time ago and it was burned in my head. Like, okay, I'm not successful until I weigh that. Enough of this. Lots mm. of going on here. And, and I've never felt more fulfilled in my work than I do right now. And by the way, the book is an international bestseller. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Congratulations. My, I have, uh, I have actually two copies in front of me. Um, one that, uh, Tracy gave me, which is, it's going to be treasured in my life forever. Um, and another one that we're going to get, do a giveaway for, uh, when this podcast goes live. So stay tuned for details on that on my Instagram. We're going to give a book, uh, a, free book, um, the diet free diva away to one lucky winner. Um, I got to tell you, you know, it is, it is a beautiful book too, Tracy. Like I, whenever I sit down and, and I kind of read in little pieces here and there and every time I just, it feels like you're talking right to me, right to my soul. And it feels like you're just the best friend that's also judgment free and just here to be like, I've been there. I've done it. I got the t-shirt. Let me help you <laughs> with what I've learned and what I've gone through. So I just, I just love that. Um, so many things that you said there, Tracy, in sharing your journey that really stuck out to me. One of the things I, th I think is so interesting is you, and you said it twice, it really stands out to me that your best self, how many times do we as women identify our best selves as being ourselves at our goal weight? And I just think that's like, I just want to leave that there as something for all, everyone listening to just sit on and wonder where that connection came from, where, how do we associate our best selves with a certain number on a scale as being our best? So weird. Um, the other thing is the the idea that you said there that I think I do believe that we have this idea that just like more willpower, more doing, more pushing is what's going to get us the results. And I feel like we're in a paradigm shift. It, obviously, and we're going to talk more about this in the food relationship, but I feel like in the greater context of life and our purpose here as as beings, we're realizing that it's not always just about constant pushing, doing mustering up the willpower to get the thing done while simultaneously killing our souls inside and the constant push and uphill battle. And what you said there about that moment where you felt like God was talking to you and just say, shaking you and saying, are you going to keep doing what the heck you're doing or are you going to sit back and trust and surrender and try a different way? I, I feel like I see that in the food relationship so much. And I, lo I love that you shared. But I also feel like collect individually, we're, aren't we doing that with, in our world, in our lives? And aren't we doing that as, as a society saying, huh, we're at a place where we do have more, more food issues than ever, uh, more anxiety, more depression, 
more mental health issues, less feelings of community, less people truly thriving in life. Hmm. Maybe we need to look at it a different way. So I just I wanted to draw some of those connections to to what I see going on in, in what I feel going on in my life and what I see going on in our collective. Yeah. Let's talk more about the food body self relationship. I've heard you refer to this as both a war and an opportunity. What's the war that you see and what is the opportunity you see with our food body self relationship? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you know, let, let's go back. Let's connect the war with something that you just finished discussing. And this is like the push, the push in life and the expectations and the, the draining aspect of willpower. If, if you look at our early beginnings, when you, we, we, we enter school, you know, the straight A's is the gold standard. So push, you strive for the straight A's. In sports, there's always a coach pushing, striving, do your best, try harder. When it comes to dieting and, you know, we've been given this image in social media or, you know, whatever of the, the perfect body for a female, the A, the gold standard A, it becomes a war because what we learned about you have to study hard and try hard and try to get all A's or try to make varsity sports. We take that mentality that we've been taught, like go, 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 try your best, achieve success. All that push, that aspect of push yourself does not work in dieting. It actually creates a boomerang effect. And the war exists with the tactics of willpower, control the food to get a result. We leave ourselves behind. And, you know, the fight with, I have to eat this in order to shape shift, to look like that. When the beautiful thing, Lisa, is we were all created in the image of God with the DNA blueprint. What is, is what is. I am five foot four. I'm never going to be five, six. I do not have long slender legs. I have short athletic muscular thighs. That's me. But do you see where it gets toxic in relationship with the war when we have been shown that the model that is six foot and wears a size zero in the commercials. Oh, well, that is the most respected, most admired, the most loved. Where do we fit in? When we've always fit in. The world is a beautiful, magnificent place of all different shapes and sizes of bodies. So there's the war with mm. food. Mm. Can I just well, add to that? I, I recently saw a New York Post, the New York Post, say that um, heroin chic is back for bodies. And there, I had never really realized this or thought about this before, but it really brought to my attention and made me realize, because there's some obviously backlash to this, because it was this awareness that like, I remember growing up in the 90s and it was like the Kate Moss, like as, as skinny as you can get, ideal. And then I want to say in like the 2000s, it was kind of like the Britney Spears body, the Jessica Simpson body that was more the ideal in, I'd say, the 2010s to 2020. It's been like the Kim Kardashian, more curvy, different looks. And then now apparently, quote, we're going back to the heroin chic look. And what is – I want to point this out because just as you said, our bodies 
to a certain degree are our bodies. It's the way that they are. And yet the media and our culture makes it seem as if our bodies are something to be molded and something to be sculpted and something that like like a trend, like the sweater that I'm wearing that is no longer in style or is about to be in style. Like I can change my body from being that six foot to being the five foot to being the athlete to being the big butt to having no butt. Like that's just – anyways – rant over, but I just wanted to put that out there that our culture also makes it seem like there's an ideal, but also that ideal changes. And what an unrealistic expectation and unrealistic pressure um, and just unnecessary bullcrap that is that puts on women that we have to be an ideal. Oh, and guess what? That ideal changes a lot. So anyways, (laughs) the war, I feel you. Lisa, we are ideal. We are ideal because we are alive on planet earth in a body that was created for us. And this is our gift. So it's time to like turn that around. Mm. And so what's the opportunity? What is the opportunity? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are we turning it around to? Here's what I believe. When we say no to dieting, when we say no to those media images, and we say yes to curiosity and presence and love for what is about us. Now we're talking because what I coach women and, you know, we're just skimming the surface here in this interview, but when we go into a place of as is right now, peace and acceptance and love magic happens because then we can take a day by day approach to just freaking take really good care of ourselves. That's the goal. Isn't that the goal to, to, we as a human being alive have a responsibility to take best care of ourselves. Notice I didn't say perfect care for a perfect body, perfect solution. It's really healing and it's fun and it's joyous. And there's no pressure when we think about how can I really take best care of myself? And a lot of this has to do with our emotions, what's going on, how to attune to our needs Yeah, food's part of it. Food's part of it. But we have to block out that noise and to be cool with what is. Now, I will speak to anybody out there, and I get this, women that are like, look, I understand what you're saying, but I'm dragging around 50 extra pounds. I don't feel good in my body. So how can you expect me to love what is? I will just say, I get that. I understand. I know what it feels to not feel physically good in your body. But guess what? One step forward out of that conundrum really involves a present gratitude practice. We can all name a couple of things that are going pretty good for us, right? And we start that wheel rolling because then we send seeds of positivity into our conscious mind. And that is a, that is an intentional practice, but I I can tell you it works. It really, really works because we have to take the responsibility of programming up here. Hey, what's going good? What's going good? That can lead to, hey, what do I want for lunch? Or, hey, I'm going to go take that walk. But we have to be intentional about allowing that energy in, starting with what kind of thoughts we're going to have. Mm. Simple stuff. Like right now, I am thrilled that my two weenie dogs are sitting in this bed next to me and they're being quiet and one is recovering from a spine. I'm so grateful for that. He's recovering from a spine injury, but I got a lot of other crap going on that's causing me some stress. But right now that makes me so happy and seeing you 
and being here with you. Mm. Mm, thank you. I feel that. Yeah. Gratitude. Oh. Gratitude is so powerful. So powerful. So it starts with some love for ourselves and what we have. It really, it really, really is that simple. And I, I have to, this is in the book, but, but I, I just want to say this really quick. Here is a real life example. I had a personal training client come to me one time wanting to sign up for sessions. And we sat together and she was very down on herself, very sad, very defeated that she had put on all this weight. She was not happy. She wanted to work with me. So I would design an exercise program for her so she could get happy because she wasn't happy in her body and she needed me to help fix her. And, you know, my, I understood her on so many levels and my heart went out to her and I said, you know what? I'm going to call her Joyce. Her name wasn't Joyce, but in the book, I call her Joyce. And she bought the book, by the way. And I'm hope, I'm wondering if she's connecting the dots in the story. But um, I said, Joyce, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to go and do this and then come back and then we'll talk exercise programming. I want you to go out. I want you to buy some comfortable clothes that make you feel lovely and amazing. Buy some exercise clothing too. Then come back. Her face lit up. What? So it was almost like I was giving her, I was the professional, giving her permission to be happy right now with what is. Because I think she wanted to, but felt like she can't be happy till she loses this weight. And we built a wonderful relationship together that had a lot more to do with human rapport and connection and what's going good than the actual exercises that we were doing. So do you see how the ball gets started? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the mind plays so many games on us. Like, one of the things I loved in your book, you have the sentence and you say, dieting fuels toxicities like perfectionism. Dieting robs us of our self-trust, respect, and dignity. I think it it is such a mind game, right? This It's all mind. What do you see as the transformative outcome and that freedom that comes with having an empowered food-body-soft relationship? Like what happens when you shift that into the gratitude, into the joy right now, not – 10 pounds, 50 pounds later, or certain eating or not eating. What happens when you are in that freedom of an empowered relationship? Well, it's a process, number one. It's not something that happens overnight. It's It involves a willingness to learn to be present. I really believe that there is this challenge, the more women that I work with, of attuning to our unmet needs, identifying what the need is when there's a knee-jerk reaction to go for the food. We live stressful lives. I mean, you know, I look, I look at my daughter. She's an accountant and she works, t- she works just hours and hours and hours at her job. And there's so much stress coming from her boss. I see it in her face. We have conversations about this. So, you know, that's just an example. We are living stress-ridden lives of abundance, but it's like a go, 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 go. So learning to kind of like have those boundaries with stress, have those boundaries with what we say yes to and no to in order to bring some, even just a little bit of balance into our lives can start to build this sense of trust like, hey... I don't have to feel guilty when I don't say yes to everyone and everything. And I can start to notice when I take ownership of giving myself space to take care of myself, that I start to feel better. When we start to notice that we can do things that make to make ourselves feel better, if it's what you eat, if it's what you do, if it's going to bed a little bit earlier, we can then start to believe that we have the power to make our lives better in terms of how we feel emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Hey, we're, we're on to something here. I like how this feels. I'm starting to trust that I can take care of myself. 
there's a bridge to the other side. Do you see how it's so much more than just the food? Like in, in my book, I talk about food a little tiny bit and there is no meal plan. There's no like, okay, here are my recommendations for A, B, C, and D. Who am I to tell you what to eat, Lisa? Who am I to tell you what to eat? And by the way- Aren't most- you the expert? <laughs> I feel like- <laughs> You know what? Isn't that, would- what isn't that what we're taught to do though? We're taught to defer to the expert. We're taught to, <laughs> to listen to the expert and, and give away our power in that. So I love yeah. this idea and I'm all for in like every avenue of reclaiming our power and reclaiming our expertise because you know some things and there's lots of things we can glean from you uh, and we are in this episode, but also like we all, we all have our own internal wisdom and internal knowledge and internal desires and messages that are coming through. And so I, I appreciate you valuing that and honoring that in, in our listeners and your clients and in everybody reading your book. That's exactly what I help women find for themselves. And it's really scary at first, but when they start to taste that they can trust themselves again with their decisions, rainbows open up for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like we don't need people telling us what to eat and programming that in us, but the dieting tells us to check out of self and to check in with something else. Oh, if I follow these rules, then um, I can trust them. I can trust that outfit that's, you know, creating this diet program, but I can't trust myself. That's why, it, you know, 95% failure rate in dieting. And then what happens when we fail and we eat something off plan? Oh, I'm a failure. I'm not doing everything perfectly. And then the rebellious side of us comes out. And if anybody can relate to this, this was me. My inner child was like, I'm out of timeouts. I'm in Toys R Us running amok. I'm through the candy store and nothing is going to hold me back. My middle finger is up to everything and everyone. And I am going to eat whatever the hell I want. We lose all sense of rationale. And we believe that somehow we're going to start over on the the next diet, like in a few days. But right now we're just going to like, I just, I just need my fix. Mm. It doesn't work. It's It's, It's draining. And there are, there are other ways. You know, so much of what you're saying and like selfishly this episode, I really wanted to do it also for myself because um, I also, I mean, like you said, everybody has a food story. I got to gotta go through and explore that. But like I do realize that I have lots of broken relationships with food. I am a recovering, overachieving, people-pleasing perfectionist. And I now see that coming up in so many parts of my relationship with my food. And You know, you talked about people-pleasing. It's like eating the food that someone else made you or someone else gave you to because – that's what's easy. That's what's comfortable. That, that makes it – that's there. Or perfectionism for me, it's – and I know this um, also potentially goes into like orthorexia, which is like my food needs to be perfect and I need to be eating like as clean and as like healthy and like all of the things so that like I have created – and I'm working through this, but like created like only certain foods that are okay and and able to able to be eaten in my world. Um, I talked about this a little bit on my episodes with with Danny, Danielle Dame on on the podcast. I think they're like 50, 51, 52, 53, some, somewhere in there we have episodes with Danny. But I just want to say like from a personal perspective, like selfishly, I, I also need this. Like I also feel like my world has been so, so taught to re- re- eat this, don't eat this. And then Two years later, it changes, and um, and then my body changes and responds, and like there, I've I've also learned that like the willpower clearly doesn't work. Um, so I want to know, you lay them out in the book. What are the five steps that mm-hmm. you recommend? How do we become diet free divas and walk that pathway to excellence on food, mind, body, and spirit? Yeah. What are you, what do you see? 
Well, you know, I love this because it's, it's very unconventional. You know, like I said, there's no food food plan. There's no programming with way, measure, this and that. In fact, you know, in chapter four, I talk a little bit about food, but I talk a lot more about a lot of other things. Chapter one, step one is discover and write your food story. So what in the heck? Before we can get to our best diva self, in other words, best diva self means- And we're not talking about the scale, right? And the best diva self- no, 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 no. We are talking, I'm not talking about lipstick and high heels and feather boas and all this. I'm talking about when we take back the energy that is spent on the war with food, with dieting, when we take back that energy and we realize this is who I am when I'm not fighting with food and body, this is what I was meant to do. That is our diva purpose. We discover that when we get that space back and then the world better look out because here's us doing our thing, but we can't do that when we keep this, you know, when I lose the 10 pounds or, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. discover and write your food story means look back at where you've come from. I talked about my fourth grade badass inner spirit. I talk about this in the book a lot. We all have a story in relationship with food, the biggest relationship that we're in, right? Overall, in our, we're in relationship with food. Who ever thought like that? The diets don't teach us. So let's look at where we've come. You know, when did you start dieting? When did when did a problem start? What, what was it like for you as a child, young adult? Was there a comment someone made? Yes. Lots of times I feel like a comment someone made or like there's a, a moment, right? Yeah. That's valid. And we all have a story that is absolutely valid. That's my favorite part of, of my coaching program. Step number two is identify your top three values and write your personal powerful why. What does that mean? We have to know, and I learned this from Danny, by the way, who are we? What the heck is important to us? Not what the boss thinks should be important to you or your spouse or your kids or your in-laws or your parents. Who are we and what makes us tick? We have to know that because we need that clarity of alignment as it relates to our decisions moving forward in our relationship with food. And why do we want to take back our freedom that was lost and drained from us with dieting? Why do we want to solve this problem so we can heal and not obsess about food for the rest of our lives? What does that look like? What are the benefits of getting past this? Tracy, what are your what are your top three values and what is your personal yep. powerful why? I love it. I love it. Okay, here we go. And everybody's is different, by the way, but most of the women that I work with, their top value is my top value, which is health and wellness. That's mm. that's it's not everybody's, and that's totally cool if, if it's not yours or someone else's. Health and wellness. My second one is freedom and independence. I like to make my own schedule. I don't like being told what to do. Go figure. That diets, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to eat. I like freedom and independence. I like making my own schedule and living life on my terms. My third is fulfillment and achievement. And I was lacking that, Lise. Check it out. I'm a mother of two. I've got great kids. I have a great family. I get that. But what was lacking in my life was fulfillment and achievement of my spirit and my purpose that I left behind in fourth grade and I was chasing diets. So I spent three decades of my life stuffing myself with food, giving away that energy and power that wasn't fulfilling or achieving to me. Mm. So this Mm. is where it takes a lot of inner consideration and quiet time. Like what's really important to you at this stage of your life? Mm-hmm. Like right now, stage of your life. And my personal powerful why, I have it all written out. It's kind of long, but I, it's basically 
why do I live a certain relationship with food, movement, and spiritual practices, all holistic things? Why do I do that? Because it's very, very important to me to be an authentic coach and human being to others. It's very important to me that I walk my talk, including my stumbles, and I share that vulnerability with others. That's why. So that's an example. Yeah. So great. You know, I wonder, this is like, I just see the connection so much between and feel free to you know tell me if I'm totally off base here. I'm going into kind of coach mode here for a minute. But I just see such a connection between your value for freedom and independence, the fact that dieting, restrictive dieting did not give that to you, and you're binging as being this giant F you and a way for you to be free and independent. Because like I don't think we can squish down these values. We can't just like completely eliminate these parts of ourselves. They end up just popping up sometimes in ways that might end up self-sabotaging us, um, I, I think sometimes to wake us up and to make us say, hey, this this really isn't working. But I just see that connection so clearly. Like you value freedom and independence. This diet is like no freedom, no independence. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And so of course you you binge and you do that because you still have this fight, fierce fire in you. You still have this value, this need to be free and independent. And so the only way that that shows up is in opposite reaction to the the restrictive dieting. So it's so interesting how I see that connecting so clearly. You're a genius. This is what you do so well. You connected. You could not have described that more perfectly. And I would encourage all of the lovely people that are listening, are you resonating with that as well? Because undoubtedly, a lot of us crave that independence as well. And dieting stamps on that. And it creates this inner rebellious, like screw you aspect. It's almost like our inner child turns into like the worst case brat ever, like screw this. That's a lot of what happens with dieting that we're like, we know better. Somebody is interfering and stepping on our boundaries. Our boundaries mm. are our rights to be alive on earth. Their diets step on those boundaries that we have. And so I would encourage anyone listening, can you relate to that? Does that happen for you in your relationship with food? Do you find yourself saying, screw it? Maybe you don't actually say it. Maybe you have a feeling like, screw it. Somebody's stepping on your food boundaries, your independence to make your food choices. And that's what it fosters. That's what dieting fosters. It fosters a big F you. So <laughs> Great questions. I think that is going to like resonate with so many people. Okay. I want to like quickly take this little detour and then pop back to number three, four, and five of the five steps. Um, But I'm curious. So how do you now live that freedom and independent value when it comes to dieting or when it comes to food? Mm -hmm. Like what does that relationship look like now? Like how how do you live that value as opposed to binging being the way that you quote live that value, maybe in an unhealthy, unproductive way? unloving way. How do you live that now in a, in a loving way? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'll try to keep this quick because I could talk for an hour on that, that exact question. But um, I have formed my own healthy boundaries with food that are very expansive. You know, orthorexia is a big deal. And I tune in with, hey, what am I in the mood for? And I make sure, you know, help. look, friends, we really need to eat healthy to, to have healthy bodies, have healthy minds. That's that's a huge gesture of self-care. Let's get real about that. But it doesn't have to be this restrictive insanity where we're going to eliminate macronutrients and we're going to follow somebody else's you know protocol or plan. No, no. 
I have a refrigerator full of healthy foods. I have a pantry filled with healthy foods that love me back. And through experimentation, I learned what those are. So I keep those on hand. I trust that. And I trust that I can trust what am I in the mood to eat? It's cold. I don't want a salad for lunch. I want some vegetable soup. I want something warm. Whereas before it was, I got to eat the damn salad. It wasn't resonating with me. It wasn't aligning with me. And then when here's the big thing, when it comes to sugar, it is not off limits for me, but I will say that it knows its place. And I'm very aware if I decide to have some, and there are certain times throughout my calendar year where it's meaningful to me. It has to do with something special in my heart and with my family. And when I when I partake in sugar on those occasions, it's savoring. It's not sabotaging. I'm checked in. I'm not checked out. It's different. And then lo and behold, I can have a few bites. What the heck is that? I was never able to moderate sugar. Now I can. Why? I'm checked in. What does that mean to me? I don't need it to stuff and numb and medicate. That is my baby with helping other people with that, that sticking point right there. Mm. Answered that question. Yes, so good, so good. Okay, I did interrupt. You were telling us your five steps to becoming okay. a diet-free diva. So number one was discover and write your food story. Number two is identify your top three values and write your personal powerful why. Yeah. Tell us about three, four, five. Sure. So where'd we come from and where are we now? Who are we? And number three, commit to daily personal inquiry and master your self-awareness. We have to check, we have to learn how to check in. We have to learn how to check in, to attune to our needs, especially the emotional eaters out there. We have to learn to recognize what's going on. What am I feeling? What do I really need? And what will I do right now? That is basically the personal inquiry where we check in with being able to identify what the heck am I feeling and what do I need? And that really speaks to building that self-awareness and learning how to tune in and check in rather than check out because it's so easy to check out with food. So easy. Mm -hmm. And um, step number four, here we go. Here's where we talk just a little tiny bit about food because we have to go there about food a little bit. Perform your 14-day whole foods cleanup experiment. What does that mean? Okay. So I love the word experiment. I just got to say that. That's a great word. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I'm like, tell me about this experiment. Let's experiment. This is fun. Okay, so I told you a few sentences ago about, you know, we all know we need to eat healthy, right? But can you eat healthy on your terms based on what you like and what resonates with your digestive system or what makes you rock and roll in your life? How do you feel when you eat certain things? Eat what you like. There is a whole plethora of healthy food to choose from. You, most of the people that come to me don't need me to help them with what to eat. They've already been down that road. That's actually arguably been causing their problem because it's too restrictive. So the clients that I get aren't the ones that like, okay, I'm eating at Burger King. My clients aren't eating at Burger King. They're the ones having the turkey on whole wheat or can I eat the whole wheat bread? Is bread bad? I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So a 14 day- I get that. Yes. So deeply. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's like another whole avenue of help. And I I just love it. But the 14-day whole foods cleanup experiment is where we do a bit of a whole food detox, especially if you were like me. I had to detox the Ben and Jerry's out of my brain that I was binging on during pandemic. I had to give myself a power spring from the inside out. How do we do it? With nutrient-dense whole natural foods for a period of time to flush out the blood, flush out the brain. It sounds like a diet. It's not. It's where you learn what healthy foods 
love you back and that you like the taste of, you got to like the taste of it. Okay. I, I hate celery. I'm not eating celery. Um, Amen. Yeah. Okay. And you, you do you, other people do them. And when you discover what I call a library of foods, now you've got something to work with. Expand on, experiment with cooking. If you don't like cooking, the hell with it. There are plenty of places you can go. I, I eat out all the time. I just know where to go and what loves me back at those places. I mean, come on. So the experiments, how do you feel in your body when you're eating really, really clean and healthy? We have to resonate with what that feels like. Okay. And then number five, which really is my favorite. This is like the Mac daddy commit to journaling for tracking what I call your path of excellence, meaning what you're discovering rocks and rolls for you and your life to make you feel great. Define and implement your six P's and carry your new toolbox. What are the six P's? Proper planning promotes powerful personal performance period. We cannot fly loose and expect to be healthy. Why? Because the convenience stores are ready to take us down and all of the, the, the donut drive-throughs. If, if we don't plant, we got to think about this friends. If you're going to be away from the house for eight hours, are you going to bring some food? You're going to pack a lunch or are you going to rely on what so-and-so is bringing to the office and then carry your new toolbox. What does this mean? We need to be able to navigate a palate teasing foodie society to stay within our boundaries, to eat, to chew and swallow what supports our health, to know where our treats fit in in our life and to honor the promises that we make to ourselves. Arguably, that is the biggest golden aha that people that I work with come away with to tears, many of them to tears. I, I now understand how to keep my promises to myself. That was the hang up. Mm. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. Um, I love you saying the food that loves you back. That's something that really lands and resonates for me. And um, also, I know I don't need your permission, but I feel like on some level I did. When you just said you don't need to eat the salad, I, that is like, I'm like, I don't want to eat a salad in the winter. I'm cold. So I love that you just said that. Like that, this is all, what beautiful steps I feel your just your clear energy on this, like, and your clear vision on like this. These are the things that are going to help you to find food that loves yourself, so you can keep the commitments to yourself, so that you can really be your the energy that you're meant to be. I love these. Thank you so much. And this is actually a good moment. To, you have a workbook, right, to help people through these steps. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so it's on my website. It's www.theholisticdivas.com. And if you land on my website, you'll see the workbook and it's basically a super simple, it's very colorful and flashy. It's how to get started working the five steps on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I love that. Awesome. Okay. So now <laughs> I have to ask you this question because I'm like, okay, I still have some extra pounds. And so how – this cannot be, like you said, it's not just as easy as I eat whatever I want. So how do I start this? What is some like bite-sized wisdom that I can take away right now? Knowing that I there's obviously deep work, there's obviously mindset, habit changing, um, but what do I stop or what do I shift if I'm afraid to stop dieting? If I'm like, okay, mm. listen, Tracy, if you just tell me to eat whatever I want, like – I'm gonna, I am going to eat that burger. I am going to eat that put-in. I am going to eat uh, the pizza or whatever that is. Like, uh, how do we 
what are some bite-sized pieces? What is something that I could start with? Super simple. And the, the biggest, I would say, beginner diet-free diva 101 tool is this. How do you want to feel in your body? So I do not like feeling like I have a few extra pounds on my body. I know what that feels like. My stomach doesn't feel good. My legs feel thick. My arms feel thick. I feel thick. I have bags under my eyes. When let's say I have been just eating too much, even of like the healthy fare, to be in tune with that is really, really important. Like I, I'm, I'm not okay with that. Not okay with that. So in order for me to feel good in my body, it's to me, it's not about a number on a, on the scale. And and with a lot of other women that I, I work with, they discover that as well. That when they shift the focus from the scale to how do I want to feel? I want to have good energy. I want to be able to slide on my my pants and feel really, really good. I just want them to sit nicely on my hips. I want to have some extra space. You know how you want to feel in your body. So there are decisions therefore to make that are pretty common sense to start taking steps to get there. Like I know that if I eat too much bread, my belly is not going to feel good. It's just not. So I'm real careful when I have the bread. And recently, actually, we've had a few parties that we've gone to where I've had some bread products and I noticed my belly's reacting. Okay, well, you know, no shame, no judgment. Let's get on task. Let's start making some healthy choices with mindful awareness of, okay, I remember when I eat these foods that truly love me back. I feel I have, I have a result that I like. And also when I go for a walk, it clears my mind. I'm out getting fresh air. It makes me feel good in my body. So understanding how you want to feel can help you make those loving decisions of actionable self-care to get you moving in that direction, to get you where you want to go. Mm, Notice that there was no fight in that. There was no war path. Jeez. (laughs) I I wonder just like, how much of all of our relationships with food are defined by the war. So that's a really interesting thing to shift. And I'm like, and to your question, what does that now open up and allow possible with all that energy freed up from instead of fighting with myself and fighting with food, what does that free up? That's a pretty exciting question, right? That's the question. Yes. And I I, I pose that question to all of the lovely listeners. Think about how much energy you're spending in your precious life in the war with food and your body, the scale, what's really going on for you there. And, you know, I used the word earlier, Lisa, I encourage everyone get productively pissed about that because it's time for us to take ownership back from what we choose to focus on to what we believe in. Yeah. Is it true that, is it true that I need to weigh 130 pounds? I do not weigh 130 pounds and I I, I no longer care. Now, for for every, I have to say this too. For everyone listening, who's like, I really, I really want to lose weight. I really want to lose. I totally get it. And well, you know, I, I do weigh myself. I do, and you know, then if you want to get on the scale, that's great. But if you have a scar in your food story that is speaking to you, that 
you know how hard it is to get to that number that somebody told you you should weigh, it's probably not a good idea for you to weigh yourself because we need to take that standard and put it over here. That's going to get in the way. It's going to tempt you to diet and it's going to get in the way of stepping into that queen essence. I talk about this in the book in terms of, hey, it's not about the number. It's about how can I holistically take best care of myself, including keeping my promises to myself. That's part of it, right? That's how we stay on track with what we discover works for us. So it's so a whole holistic world of, of amazingness when we get productive. I feel pissed. it. I love it. <laughs> get productively pissed is that bottom line. Um, okay. I, you know, you mentioned it here. You've, I read it in your book that kids start dieting as early as seven. Um, my daughter is four and you, you saw her. She made a little cameo here. Luckily I hit mute. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, any advice, what advice do you have for raising a child, a daughter in this culture, in this world where she might be like two years away from feeling that temptation to diet? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Let's just point out the obvious that it's, it's um, a daunting task. It is on every level. And it's effed up that we should have to have this conversation, right? Yeah. Like it feels effed up and messed up that like seven – I'm productively pissed. Tell me what to do with my productive pissiness, please. <laughs> Amen. There, there's, there's so many things about this. So number one, we are models. They watch every single thing that we do. And I would even go as far as to say, they know what they're do what we're doing when they don't even see us. There's just an inner, they just know. So step number one, you know, when we have, like my, my kids are grown and gone, uh, but grandkids are probably soon coming within the next eight years, hopefully. So that role starts over again. Um, I really, really think it is important to help our children identify and take ownership of their food choices based on some questions we ask them. Teaching them to learn to check in. How do you, oh, does your belly hurt? Oh, you ate that whole bag of jelly beans. You have a belly ache. Think it's because you ate all the jelly beans? Questions like that. Or um, how does the chicken noodle soup make you feel? I feel warm and fuzzy inside. It's not about the food, okay? It's about teaching them to check in and to help them make decisions. And a, a big one is I don't know if you remember this when you were a kid, Lisa, but most of us go through the phase where we're scared to death to throw up. We're afraid of belly aches. It's trauma to, to vomit. It's still, it's still trauma. Like we talked about the vomiting thing, right? Yes. So my daughter just vomited like, <laughs> maybe this is TMI, but like a week and a half ago for the first time since she was a baby, right? So like the first time in her conscious memory and she was terrified. Yeah. And like my husband and I had to kind of like coach her through and be like, you know, we know it's uncomfortable. We know it's scary. We're here. You're, you know, you're safe. We know it's not fun, but you're safe, but you're right. Like she's traumatized. And now she just keeps being like, I threw up. I threw up. And we're like, okay, don't, don't tell everybody all the time. Like it's, you're, you know, <laughs> you're fine yeah. now. But uh, so yeah. I mean, like dial dialing that back a little bit, Lisa, what, what I really mean is let's teach our kids to notice how they feel 
when they decide to put something in their mouth, yeah, we want to have healthy foods at home. Yeah, we want to model all that behavior. We want to include them in cooking. There's a whole gamut of things that we could be doing. But I really believe that as they grow and they participate in sports, for example, what dance classes, whatever it is, um, coaching them to make the connection you want to be able to run fast, right? You want to be able to dance with grace. You want to be able to do what you love to do really well. Well, maybe, maybe if we teach them about eating a juicy orange, giving them an experiment with eating the juicy orange versus the fruit roll-up, if they still make those things, the juicy fruit snacks, versus the orange, the challenge is it ain't popular. And that's what pisses us off because the food marketing and the media and other parents, I used to work the lunchroom at the Catholic school where my kids went and I saw what the kids were bringing in the lunch boxes. They were lucky to have a sandwich. I mean, it was like all things, the juice boxes, the fruit roll up, the flavored yogurt. So, I mean, like, you know, we, we parents have to step it up, but we also have to know our boundaries with, okay, there's media there's media. There's a time and a place for those treats, right? And we can't we can't push so hard because we don't want to turn them into rebels. They're already kids. Mm-hmm. So it's be towing modeling. And it's so interesting. Curiosity. Curiosity. I used to say this to my daughter. Anytime I said this to her, Lisa, from the ginger age of three, it still works and she's 28. When I want to talk about something touchy, how I get her attention, I say, Emily, I need you to let me be a mom for three minutes. All of a sudden, she gives me the space, her ears open. I'm respecting her. Let me be a mom for a, you know, a few minutes. In other words, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm trying to be your mom and I love you. So there's certain ways that we can communicate with them to inspire that curiosity with, because arguably a lot of us took to dieting and we never learned how to check in, hence the problem that we have with food. So teaching them now, yeah, all that stuff's out there. But you, how's that going to make you feel if you, oh, you have a belly ache and you ate all the whole bag of cookies? Okay. What do you think you might do next time? Mm. And by the way, we talk to ourselves like that too. Mm. Being that motherly voice that maybe a lot of us never had. Mm-hmm. Learning how to be our own inner code. That's in the book. Talking compassionately with curiosity to ourselves is like a humongous tool that a lot of us have been missing. It sounds like that, but mastering self-awareness step is important. Um, and how to do that with kids is just asking them that question. My daughter, she's still she's still a little bit of a rebel. And uh, she will still if I ask her, "How does that make you feel?" She's got she's got a sweet tooth too. And I'm like, "How does that make you feel?" She'll always like, "Good. Good. I feel good after the sugar." So I guess maybe I just need more patience. Just need to stick with it and and Well, you know, with that, Lisa, I would say, sure. Sure. Here's why. You could explain a little bit about the brain. And then Ask her a couple of hours later when she's like, mm. you see how you feel right now, Sonoma? Here's what happens when we have sugar. And then if you notice that, if that happens to her, mm-hmm. when she comes down off that sugar crash, just an opportunity to point things out. Mm. So good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <sighs> you and I have talked about this a few times and we haven't explicitly said it in this podcast, but underneath – the perfectionism, underneath the people pleasing, underneath the even the like the rebellious pieces and our desire to be quote our best self, is really that underlying question which is, am I worthy? And often this feeling, this notion that we're not enough, we're not good enough, 
Um, I, and I feel like there's why, millions of reasons why this is. I think our culture implants us in us as women. You were part of our mastermind. How did – I guess what awareness do you have of that not enoughness? And how did working with a coach and having a community help you be where you are today? Best thing you could have asked. So I did not know what was holding me back when I joined your community. I did not know. I just knew that I was stuck and I was out of alignment with myself. And I couldn't even say that. I just felt crappy about my life and I needed inspiration. You remember the earlier conversations that we had. And you helped me with the right questions and the right, you know, all your loving modules where you asked all these questions. Um, you helped me get to the root of, I have been going through my life trying to be enough. Feeling like in so many arenas, when I was enough, the bar was so high in everything that I did based on a lot of things earlier in my life that it was almost like I could never achieve that bar. And I needed to understand what it was that set that bar so high. And is that my truth? So that was absolutely hitting the nail on the head for me in the Golden Girls Mastermind. And when I discovered you also, when I discovered this, like, I'm, I'm going around every day thinking that my best isn't enough. So I'm chasing. And in that chase, I was exhausted. And I was using sugar to, to numb from the chase. I never knew how to stop my work. I never knew how to say no to another client. I never knew how to say no to extending my work hours to get a new client in. It was draining me. But you helped me get to that realization. And now, Lisa, honest to God, um, I am it's still a work in progress, but... I know when to cut off my work and say, I've done enough for today. I know when I teach a fitness class that my best was totally enough. And I learned, I've learned to break down that perfectionism because it's toxic. And the Untethered Soul book that you recommended to me when I was in the midst of the stuckness, I read it three times. My husband read it three times. We got the workbook. That also helped us get to the other side of like the inner roommate that tells us that we're not enough. That inner roommate that Michael Singer talks about. Oh my gosh. So healing. But I, I meet so many women, Lisa, that come from my place of, my gosh, I've been thinking of, I'm, I'm not enough my whole life. Light bulbs are going off. And it's really something. And you you are just so promoting that awareness in the work that you do. But we, we, we need to just keep talking about that because I think it's some early beginnings. Um, again, starting in school. Well, we got to get all A's. You got to make varsity. It's the little things that can add up to us believing that, well, I only made junior varsity. I'm just not good enough. I only got a 3.2. Well, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Do you see where this can take root? Oh, yes. I think that I, I feel like um, I so appreciate shining a lens on this because I think we all have those – we can all resonate with that. At some point, by many points – We've been told in different ways, some subtle, some direct, that we're not enough. Um, so thank you. Thank you for speaking into that. Thank you. Can you also share – you? I know one of the most profound shifts for you was the difference between confidence and arrogance. And yeah. I, I mean, it's really, really cool 
tell me the story and then I'll tell you my observation. So tell, Oh my gosh, Lisa, do you remember how many times did I bring that up in our mastermind? Definitely a few. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So here, here's the deal. I, I will admit that there, I would say many, many, many years of my earlier life where when I was wearing the mask, I was putting on a facade that I was tougher than I was. And I believed based on some models in my life at the time that uh, I needed to just, I needed to prove something. And I was arrogant. And I learned lessons in relationships with people, with clients, with what I was doing at the time, where my arrogance kicked me in the ass. Now, I will tell you that I learned from that, but I was also afraid of it because I went through a lot of humbling. There were people that landed in my life for the most amazing reasons at the time that, sh- that demonstrated and modeled humility. And I bought into that. I started to notice what is it about them that everybody likes? What needs to shift in me? And I learned a lot and nobody even like showed me how to do it. It was just one of those like inner wisdom callings. And I learned, obviously it's a work in progress, but I learned about humility and I started to soften up and recognize things. But that was still like, I, I want to be confident in my work. I want to be a confident coach. And I was really stuck on the confidence, like speaking my mind and taking a stand and really being authentic with people. I was so afraid of coming across as arrogant that I was living small. I was afraid to write. I was afraid to coach. I stayed small. What do I know? Exercise. I've been doing this forever. Yeah, I'm good at it. I have a following. I was staying small because I was afraid of getting my ass kicked with stretching myself a little bit in confidence because I was so afraid of learning those hard lessons from arrogance in my past. Mm. It helped me break that down, but I I was really stuck. It shows up a little bit, but nowhere every now and then, but it's really kind of gone by the wayside. It's so amazing because I feel like anybody listening to this, listening to you and reading your book, like you exude so much confidence. It's amazing. And you also exude humility in such a beautiful way. And there's, to me, no touch of of arrogance. And it's just, you know, the way you show up with confidence and humility together, it, it, I think sometimes people think those are two different things. Or I guess the um, our inner critic or that pesky roommate might have us think that those are, you can't be hum- have humility without, with confidence or the idea that arrogance is the opposite of confidence or whatever that is. Um, but the way you show up and you say, yeah, I share, I walk the talk and I share my stumbles. Even just that is like, that is both humility and like, Hey, I'm human. You're human. We're all in this human experience and we're just the way we're meant to be. And there's nothing about more we need to be. That's the humility piece. And then that there's also confidence in that, that like, Hey, I'm exactly who I need to be. And I'm still worthy. And I'm still have something of value to share. I am still valuable regardless of the mistakes that I make and the humanness. I'm actually valuable and can stand here with confidence because of the mistakes that I made and because of the humility that to me, they just, it's so I see it so so clearly in you and you exude it. Um, so it's wild. It's all, almost hard for me to reconcile that com- those conversations with you and the woman who sits here in front of all of us today. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Had I not gone through, had I not become a golden girl, I would still be stuck on that, Lisa. I mean, I may have arrived there later, but it would have been a long time coming. But I needed that. 
I needed, I told you that I needed to be immersed in other women that can role model something different for me because I felt like I needed that. And that's exact, that was my big baby, the enoughness and the arrogance versus confidence. And I really hope that resonates with the ladies listening because I think that how can we not all share that common concern sometimes in our lives, right? And I think that... um, I think that we all just want, especially now, I mean, we all just want somebody that's going to shoot straight and be authentic and be sincere and not try to like be something they're not. I mean, like, come on, you know, people just want the real deal. That's inspiring. Yes, I agree. I agree. And thank you for being the real deal. So in your book, um, you say that you began dieting, restricting food, with the intention of fixing yourself. I mean, there's this whole thing, right? And I, I think that's going to resonate for a lot of people. I think you're – I have a feeling you're not the only one that has been dieting to fix ourselves. Even the whole – I'm sure so many people are going to resonate with the, wow, how much weight – haha, pun not intended – have we been placing on the best self, the idea of the best self being a certain weight. And so many women try and fix themselves with food. Let's say, Tracy, you, ha- you have a magic wand and all of a sudden women are not obsessing with food they realize they don't need to fix themselves and they've got all this energy and this attention back to give. In your eyes, how does that change the world and what is now possible? Oh, so great. Well, that is a woman stepping into her best diva self. And again, like I said before, best diva self means there's an awareness, there's an aha of that thing that you, all the ladies listening, there's something or a couple of things that you do really, really well. And if you're holding yourself back from putting yourself out there in the world to do your best diva thing that you know you were called to do, is it because you are waiting to lose the weight, waiting to fix your body, waiting for the next diet to do it? It is time to consider there are other ways because the world needs us to do our thing that we were put here to do. And we cannot do that when we're distracted from the war with food, body, and self. So that's what makes a diet-free diva. Women that have found peace and freedom with food, and now they have the space and the confidence and the freedom and the self-trust to do that thing that they know they do really well because the the world needs us to be out there doing that thing. And for me, it's what I'm doing right now. It's my writing. It's my, it's my coaching in this rather than exercise all the time. And and I hope that resonates. I hope that makes sense. Like, hey, you know, I want that freedom. I want that space. I want to go out and open my own business or I want to take up that photography that I take really good pictures. I've always wanted to do this. I mean, like, what is that for you? Because there's a calling there. We need not stuff that away. Mm, so good. I love that. Um, and I love that you just shared too for what your best diva looks like right now, how you're living her. Um, and I feel like you've you brought that fourth grade badass back out. <laughs> she's she's back here, isn't she? Yes. And I'm so glad you said that as well, because there comes a time when we land in peace where we have to maybe go back and rescue us before we butt into the dieting. And, you know, I've talked about this so much. It used to bring me to tears because it's so very meaningful. Um, I've actually got, I can picture myself. I have visions of me now going back in my pretty, in rescuing me in my pretty plus clothes, holding my hand and saying, let's go this way because I needed me then. So think about that for yourself. You know, like, is there a part of you that is just waiting, waiting for you to reach out to her to say, come on, let's go this way. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Okay. I have a few Golden Girls rapid fire questions. 
and then we're going to wrap up. I don't want this to ever end. <laughs> Maybe that's why we've done three. It's so good. Um, okay. Tracy, what is a current goal that you're working on? What is a current goal that I'm working on? Okay. The current goal that I'm working on is writing my very first diet-free diva course to help women with a lot. So the workbook is here, but I have a course that I'm working on. It's really challenging me. I'm putting the content together for this and I, I want it to be chock full of valuable takeaways for women who read the book, who want more and they want to go on my website and they want to they want to buy the course. So that's hopefully going to be out by like January, February. And I've got my blood, sweat and tears into that. And I'm trying not to like be the perfectionist, you know, like this, here's where I'm challenged to be like, okay, it's enough. Mm. So that's my answer. Oh, thanks for sharing. So good. Um, what is something let's, let's see if I can challenge you to think of something that's not food related. Um, what is something you've changed your mind about? What is something I've changed my mind about? I, you know what? I'll just say what's coming to mind. I changed my mind about um, this. Actually, there's a couple of things. Okay, this is a huge one. Right now, in this interview, it's December 6th. Okay. And I've changed my mind about decorating my house like a maniac for Christmas. It's draining. It's exhausting. Is it really bring me that much value? Or am I following the societal expectation that my entire house has to, inside and out, has to be Pinterest worthy? No. You know what I did, Lise? I have a tree. I put up a tree and that's it. And I love that. I love that too. So amazing. That is me with Christmas cards. I used to like struggle through them and then now I just, I'm like, nope. I love them when I receive them. I'm so grateful for them and I hope that they brought people joy. But if you're not giving, you know, if you're not getting joy by sending me a Christmas card, hold your joy, go spend it somewhere else. And I'm holding my joy too. So yeah, love that. So good. So much pressure on the, so much pressure in the whole, in our whole lives, but especially around the holidays, love claim, reclaiming what is the joy for you. Okay. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now for food, hmm. where would you travel to and what would you eat? Oh, okay. It would definitely be Hawaii. I've what never would been you to eat. Hawaii. Okay. I would eat all of the fresh fruit and fish because I only like fish if it's cooked for me. I don't, I, I can't touch it, but it has to be really super fresh and it has to be at like a, a really nice restaurant. And that's when I do like fish. Other than that, I don't like fish. But the pineapple, and I want to wear the flowers around my neck. And mm. um, it, it, I just want to bask in the sunshine and the the landscape and and eat the fresh fruit and fish in Hawaii. Oh, so good. Poke. Poke is amazing. The poke in Hawaii. Yeah, so good. Um, okay. Remember, I never knew what that was. You asked me that. What's yeah. your, like, what, what poke was? Have you, have you had it now? No. What? Oh my it. gosh. Okay. You seriously, we got to, Okay. You got to get to Hawaii and have some poke. I'll come. <laughs> we'll, I'll meet you there. We'll eat it together. Okay. Um, what is the best money you've ever spent? Okay. I'm not trying to butter your bread on the podcast here, but I'm going to say this because I've said, I, I walk my talk. I'm an authentic chick. The best money I ever spent was in your mastermind. because, And I mean that Okay, I mean it because like I said, I would have been stuck on the, am I enough? 
And am I being arrogant? Should I stay small? Because I'm afraid to be confident. That's my answer, Lise. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that, that is so amazing to hear. And um, I feel like a I have to put like an advertising disclaimer in here, but I swear you, we did not talk about this ahead of time, but thank you. I, no, I, I really, say, I did not know you were going to ask me these questions mm-hmm. for every, anybody listening. I did not know. I didn't know what you were going to ask me. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. Thanks. And um, I'm, that's amazing to hear. That's like, that's my spark. That's my inner diva is to do that work. I absolutely love it. It is such an honor. And um, that's my diva work for sure. Okay. What last question here? Um, what is the best lesson you've learned in the last year? Okay. Best lesson I have learned in the last year can kind of be full scale in my life in a number of areas. Trust the process. I have, um, I tend to, to try to control. I tend to white knuckle. And there are things that cannot be white knuckled in our lives that we have to let go and just trust and back off from trying to control. Mm-hmm. That's my answer to that. So good. So good. Okay. So where can we find your book? Where's your book? Yeah. Oh, The Diet Free Diva. The Diet Free Diva. It's on Amazon. It's Kindle and there's paperback and announcement. I just finished the Audible in my own voice. I'm reading it in my own voice, which is great. I love when authors read their own books. Yeah. So that's coming out. I actually have a meeting this Friday with my Audible guy to help me get it on Amazon. So by the time this podcast airs, it should be on, on Amazon. So, you know, when I find a good book, not trying to be a salesperson here, but I like to read it and I like to listen to it. So my, my favorite ones, I I've read it and I listen to it in my car. So that's on Amazon. And then my website is the holistic Amazing. Is there anything else you want to share Tracy before we wrap up? <sighs> anything else I want to share? I I'm so grateful for knowing you, for being part of your community, for this opportunity to to talk to your wonderful listeners who, if they are friends of yours and they're listening in, they're automatically friends of mine. (laughs) And um, I'm just happy to be in this life with you and to to be taking a role in helping other women to find freedom and to go out in the world and and do their thing on their terms um, and trust themselves. Mm. Tracy, Thank you. I feel the same way. This has been an am- amazing conversation. Like the the depth. I mean, we food is something we all need three times a day, and there's so much crap dropped into it, from our self worth to our limiting beliefs. So 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 much to our to something that actually does really matter, which is our health and well being. And so I love, and I'm so happy to see that you are on fire, that you are confident, that you are in your best diva self, that you are bringing out that inner badass. And you know, you've shared so much amazing goodness with our with our listeners today, with me today. Your book is amazing. Everyone, go grab it. Links are in the bio. Uh, the Diet Free Diva and your coaching, all the work that you're doing. Like I'm just, I'm so grateful to know you. I'm humbled to be a part of your journey, and. Um, Thank you for changing the world, Tracy. I know so many people are going to listen to this. They're going to resonate and you're going to help bring out the inner diva of so many women. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being Uh, you. Thank you, Lisa. All my love. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. 
because I love surprises. Make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.